0: Episode in, number eight. Back in Brad's living room. It's out. looking
1: good in here. You're moved in. All the U of L stuff I see everywhere. I that is,
0: for the record, completely false. I do not want that slander to be thought or.
2: Wow! Don't, yes. don't, wow!
0: Don't slander me!
2: Don't slander me!
0: I'm
1: wearing I'm, a U of L shirt. I
0: will sue you for defamation of character. No, no one was for you, Simon. <sighs> Trees. No, I do see plenty of trees. Trees. The, the living room trees. is a tree theme for so sure.
2: I mean, welcome our fellow roots. Yes, there is, you can go. Can that be a, a that real could thing? be A real thing. Welcome, fellow roots, to our rooted in logos podcast. That's right.
0: Episode number eight.
2: Episode number eight. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pumped for this one.
0: Yeah, this is gonna cool. be good. So today we're gonna get into the role of a church member. What is your mm-hmm. role as a church member? We're Just kind of discuss these things. But first, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we have launched a Patreon page. Mm-hmm
1: the what clapping it, when you say that oh so well. okay restart
0: we have launched a patreon page turn it off turn it off that is creepy thank you carter <laughs> for <laughs> changing that no You're i didn't change the, the, the wrong button i hit the wrong button uh, it's c okay so a little anyway. bit of housekeeping to kind of get us started we have actually launched a patreon page here we go all right, Brad, tell us, what, what is that? <laughs> Patreon is a way for our listeners to support us. We've had a few people ask, hey, how can we support you guys? This is a way you can do it. Uh, because it is not free to do this. Um, granted, it's not super expensive. We are we are fine. We're going to keep doing this no matter what. But we love doing it. We love doing it. But if you want to help, uh, you can visit patreon.com slash rootedinlogos. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash rooted in logos basically what patreon is it's a membership or it's a tier-based membership system so we have three levels of support lowest level we just want to say thank you it is a keep the lights on keep this thing going type membership. The second one is an all-access, stealing from the Daily Wire. We are going to not only say thank you, but we're also going to let you all participate in a mailbag. Mailbag. So in a couple of weeks, we'll start every Thursday. We'll take one or two questions that people email us at rootedinlogaspod at gmail.com or through our website, rootedinlogaspod.com. And we're going to ask from our all-access members, we'll we'll answer a couple questions uh, each week. And then you have the VIP. So you will have the access to the mailbag, but also... Every three months that you support us, you will get a little bit of Rooted in Logos swag that we have set up, uh, a sticker, Mm -hmm. a mug, a poster, and a tote bag.
2: And maybe eventually a t-shirt. And eventually we'll we'll
0: get some t-shirts on our website. But for exclusively for VIP members, you'll get some Rooted in Logos swag if that is your uh, desire. So again, visit that website. Uh, No... Obviously, no pressure, but feel free to support us in any of those levels if you would like to help us out and get us rolling. So with that, let's get started. I will say this, too. Uh, I, as far as our Apple podcast situation, got an email late last night from a senior technical Somebody. Same person (laughs) as before,
1: they just used a different email. It's very possible.
0: (laughs) It's very possible. They took it over from uh, the first guy, and now a second person is involved, to try and figure out why we can't launch
1: on Apple. This (laughs) is definitely
0: not real people. It's just automated messages. Uh, Based on the messages I've gotten, it's very possible that it is just automated. Or they just hit copy and paste. Yeah, so... Uh, Our fight with Apple continues. Yeah, okay, but Apple is where our listenership goes up.
2: That's true. Until Satan decides, I don't like what you're saying.
0: Which may be why we're not on Apple. (laughs) That is true. So anyway, with that, let's get rolling on being a faithful church member. What does that look like? I want to start, and this is a little bit of a continuation of Tuesday's episode, but I want to start with power of the church and the authority that we've been given by God as the church. So... We have three areas that I've kind of looked at as to what our authority is as the church as a whole, and then as individual church members. The first is spiritual warfare. We have the authority to carry on spiritual warfare. 2 uh, Corinthians 10, 3-4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy the strongholds. So what are those weapons? What are the weapons that we use for spiritual warfare to fight the spirit world? It's prayer, it's worship, it's rebuking demonic forces with authority, it's teaching and reading scripture, it's our own faith in God and in the gospel, and it's the proper conduct of those within the church. So it encompasses a lot of things, a lot of aspects of the church, our worship, our, our teachings, but also our individual lifestyle how we live, and if we're living according to scripture. That is how we can fight the spiritual battles that we we were called to fight. And that's actually going to be a topic in the next few weeks. We're going to dig into spiritual warfare. What does that look like overseas? What does it look like here in America? Pretty cool stuff. We're excited to get into that, but that'll be another thing. The next authority that we have is the authority to preach the gospel. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And one of the keys to the kingdom, or the key of the kingdom, is the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for the forgiveness of our sin that allows us to enter the kingdom of heaven once we leave this earth. And so that is the we, the church has the authority to preach the gospel and to preach the word of God, the Logos. And then finally, we have the authority to carry out church discipline. And we're going to get into this specifically here in a little bit on this episode. We're going to actually dig into what church discipline actually looks like. But just real quick, the purpose of church discipline is to restore and reconcile the believer who is going astray, and it is to keep sin from spreading to others. So it's to keep the keep the sin contained within that one person or, or within that one family. So it doesn't just continue to go out. I, I think of an example of that would be gossip. Yeah. Right? That's when someone cool. starts to gossip about somebody else, that is the most easily spread because then everyone knows. sin. Because everyone knows, and then everyone starts. Oh, did you hear what so and so did? I heard. I heard and they did this. Even if they're saying
1: something bad about it, you think that they are. Absolutely. What's that? Man, these people
0: hate me. <laughs> one of my favorite Veggie Tales ever was the Rumor Weed. Right? Did, <laughs> uh, do we know this one, Austin? I don't. The rumor Weed.
2: I watched Veggie Tales, just not that much. Not that. So one. I have no I idea. I never what you're watched
0: about. it really. Oh, I my was helping in the children's church. Right. So I have it over there. <laughs> but the Rumor Weed, it, it it's easily spread, and it just it just infiltrates everything. So again, keeps sin from spreading to others and then it protects the purity of the church and the honor of Christ. It allows us to allows us to combat the often heard phrase, well the church is full of hypocrites and the church is hypocritical. They teach this but they do that. Well, when church discipline is properly put in place, yes, we're all we all have those issues. We all have those sins that are contrary to what we preach because we're not perfect, but when church discipline is is properly executed, the, hypo- the hypocrisy charge is is, is is weaker, right? Because we've stepped in and said, hey, this is not how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to behave. This is contrary to what we believe. Let's deal with it and deal with it properly.
2: And I, I have a quote here. This is Screwtape Letters from C.S. Lewis. It's talking about the church from a demon's perspective. One of our greatest allies at present is the church itself. Do not misunderstand me. I do not mean the church as we see her spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. That, I confess, is a spectacle which makes our boldest tempters uneasy. As a church body, we are meant to be the latter. When he's saying our greatest ally is the present church, he's talking about the church today. And even though this was written in the 40s, it, it, we're still of the same mindset. You know, most churches, they're weak. They're not teaching what they're supposed to. Um, they're not living their purpose, as we talked in our last episode. And if we are truly doing what we're supposed to be doing, living out our purpose as a unit, as a the, the Bride of Christ, as it says, I do not mean the church as we see her spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. And says, I confess, it is a spectacle which makes our boldest tempters uneasy. Granted, th- this is allegorical. This this isn't scriptural, but just that mindset of if we are truly doing what we're supposed to be doing, making the demons uneasy because we have the authority of God, the authority of Christ set by
0: Christ. Absolutely, and that kind of goes into where I want to go next about the body of Christ and what as individuals what is our role what are we supposed to do as healthy church members so Austin i know you had mentioned you have some scripture that you want to use to discuss maybe even the structure of the church and and the different roles inside the church that that we as believers can inhabit good word inhabit, inhabit. I
2: like it. that's one of those what $5 words
0: nah, 250 250 like i like, yeah. it. I like it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, looking at, again, this, the structure of the church, there are positions, you know, positions of leadership, positions of spiritual gifts, those who can teach, those who can preach, those who can prophesy, those who can teach, but those who are more of the service mindset, they can give their time, they are good at doing those things. And so, you know, looking at, let's go to Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, which... I'm not going to go and th- go through and read. I-, I would like to promote for you guys to go through and read this. So, 1 Timothy chapter three, verses one through thirteen, and then Titus chapter one, verse six through nine. It's listing out qualifications for your pastor, listing out qualifications for deacons, for elders. Very important. If if you have pastors, deacons, and elders that do not meet the requirements. You need to be able to look at that very closely. And why do they not meet the requirements? Again, that's getting into touchy subject, which I'd like to d- dig in deeper. But when it talks about being the husband of one wife, okay, so does that mean divorced? Can you not be divorced and be uh, an overseer or a pastor or an elder, a deacon? Or does that just mean, you know, like polygamy? You can only have one wife at a time to be that, which is... I don't think so, but <laughs> getting into other things, being being able to look at that, what are the qualifications for your leaders? Literally, they are teaching you scripture. That is, you need to be mindful of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so you have your elders, your deacons, your pastors, and, and not everyone is called to be a deacon, an elder, or a pastor, but we are all called to serve in some way. All right, I think the first thing that, and probably the one I struggle with the most at times, is tithing, is being a giver. Mm. is giving to the local church. There's biblical precedent in there for, for the 10%. You look at the first murder of Scripture was over a tithe, was over an offering, where Abel gave sacrificially, and God looked at it Favorably. with favor, with favor, and, yeah. and he accepted it. And then Cain gave not his best, he gave what he had maybe left over, and God rejected it. So tithing is one of the fundamental aspects of being a church member. So yeah, like you said, we're not all built for the same
1: thing, but just like we talked about last episode in Ephesians, where it says, equip the saints with the, for the work of their ministry, like someone figures out what their calling is, or they think they know what their calling is. As a church, we're supposed to encourage them and build them for that, and to just like equip them to do that ministry. And like, maybe it's not something you want them to do, but like, that's not our place to get mad at or anything. We should still equip them to do it because we know that they can do it well.
2: And the other side of that too, you know, looking at spiritual gifts, again, we, we are a body of multiple members. We have people throughout the church that have these different set of skills that God has given them. And we need to be able to look at that and not overuse people. So yeah, you have your people in the church that it's service. That is their thing. But a lot of times in church, people overuse them. They're like, oh yeah, he's a server. She's a server. Let's use them. Use them, use them, use them. You use them up. And that they no longer want to help anymore. And we need to be very conscious of that. Because if you overuse someone, they're going to leave. And they're like, I, I'm just being literally used here. Versus you have the teachers, the, the, the prophesiers. They're not of that mindset, but we need to, we need to be able to help out that way. Again, as a unit, we are one body. We need to be helping each other out.
0: Yeah. Overuse is is such a common thing because you see the same five people doing ninety-five percent of yes. the work inside the church, and that is not the goal. The goal is to have everyone involved, the goal is to be a team, be a unit, be a family that works together. So practically speaking, me personally, <laughs> I am not called to be to do maintenance on the church. I, I barely know how to use a screwdriver. Just <laughs> it doesn't, it's not my thing. But on the, at the same time, I have an ear for for music, and so I can run the sound on Sunday yeah. mornings, and I can do that to the best of my abilities because I have some skill in that area. Whereas I don't have skill in laying carpet, yeah. or or painting, or or just general maintenance that other people do have. But didn't you help lay carpet anyway? I did. <laughs> I I stood there and handed pieces to other there people. Go. There you go. Right. That was my. There are every, ways everyone to everyone help. fits in everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very important to. Just, I want to encourage you. It's very important to know what you're good at. Know what you enjoy doing. Because God gave you those passions and those skills for a reason. He did not give me the passion to fix things. Therefore, I do not believe I am called to help fix things inside the church mate, on a maintenance level, right? He gave me a passion for music. So maybe he wants me to be involved in the music somehow. And he gave me a passion for teaching. He gave me a passion for... Um, Teaching and what else do I like to do? I don't know. but Tattoos? (laughs) That may be my own thing. I don't know. But no, he gave me a passion for teaching. He gave me a passion for studying the word. And that's how I need to be used inside the church.
2: Yeah. And and there's actually, I mean, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter... 12, towards the end, when it lists out spiritual gifts, it, it talks about that. So we're going to start in chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping and administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. So, looking at the top four: first, the apostles; second, the prophets; third, the teachers; then miracles. You know, he says, desire the top four. The others, you know, talking about works, talking about administration, helping; those are things that can, can be learned. Um, again, they they are gifts from God he says desire the top 4 you know to be teaching to be healing laying on of hands of people and uh, that that's important too cuz yeah there are, there are things that we're not good with i'm i'm not the best with cars but i'm i'm learning there are things that we need to be desiring and trying to
0: get better at and again looking at the top 4 so what constitutes a church member is it just i sign up in the lobby and fill out this card, and then I'm a member of a church, or what? What does being a church member mean? I think the very first qualification, the very first thing that is, you need to be a believer. Yes. That is the first thing. So if you are a believer, you are a member of the universal church, you're a member of the church, big C, how do you become a member of the local church? And I think that's where we kind of want to dig in a little bit today, is what does that look like? So again, I think you find a church that doctrinally you, you match with. Again, I've said this before, you're not going to agree with everything theologically the church says, but you find a church that is rooted in scripture, that is rooted in logos, rooted in the word. You find a church that stylistically you feel comfortable with, okay? Because I don't think there is a mandate in scripture for drums, guitars, bass, everything. Wait, what? Every week. Could be no weeks. You know, there are churches that stylistically you would prefer. I personally would not in, would not necessarily want to be involved in a church that doesn't have music, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. That that it doesn't have music as long as it's rooted in scripture. That is the key. Find yeah. that church that's rooted in scripture.
2: And for for me, it was again growing up in a church that you, you had the piano, you had maybe an organ, or just it was is the people in the congregation that were singing. And then transitioning to a church that had the drums or had the guitars, and it was it was it was hard for me because I'm like this this just feels wrong. But again, looking at okay, what is important scripture, if scripture is being taught, if they are truly teaching the word, I am okay with that. And I think God has blessed me with that because, again, coming to this church, and you know, we have some of the, those aspects. It's not your your death metal electric guitar solos, every other song, which is nice. I appreciate that. But uh, it, it was hard for me to transition, but God has blessed me with that looking for the rooted in the word aspect that he has softened my heart towards the the other, which has been really nice. So I I've actually been able to within this past couple of years been able to actually enjoy the worship music. So that, that's been very cool.
0: So the next thing after you found that church that you doctrinally and stylistically you you, you are you can mesh with, and it is rooted in Scripture. You then you become active in that church and that starts with tithing that starts with giving and then it starts with and then it goes to serving find a place to plug in find a place to help and use your skills and use your gifts so again for example children's ministry nursery serving communion getting communion ready depending on how you do it playing in the worship band find a place to serve Find a place to dig in and, and start using those gifts because an inactive church member that, that does, that just sits and comes in and, and listens and then leaves is not, a, it's, it, that's you're not fulfilling your purpose yeah. as a member of a church. Yeah.
2: And you know, like looking at tithing, if, if you don't have the money, if you don't have the money to tithe, you, you can give time. If you mm-hmm. don't have time, there, there are other ways you can do that. And and. A good way is talking to the leadership in your church. If you don't have a super mega church, you know, being able to go to your pastor and say, hey, I don't have a lot of money, but how, how can I best help the church? What does the church need? And the pastor can direct you. If he doesn't have an answer, he says, hey, go talk to our administrator. Go talk to so-and-so. They can help guide you to what you can best do.
0: So, okay, let, let's just, pers- just each, the three of us, let's, let's, uh, Carter, where are you serving in in the church right now?
2: Um,
1: I serve in children's ministry. Um, I I like being in there a lot. It's, it's a lot of fun. I think it's I can't I don't remember the age group. I think it may be like three to three, four, five, and six. I don't know something like that. It's the younger kids. Like last year and the year before, I would help with like I'd say middle school age. But I don't have the talents for that. I would say my gifts that I have is more fit for the age group I'm in now. And I found that over this past year because. I have been helping more in children's ministry. Like, I'm in there almost every week now, pretty much every week. And if I'm not in there, it's just because, like, I was busy. But it's a, it's a lot of fun. You don't think of little kids as, like, that age being super deep Christians like that. But, like, it's really cool to see the kids eager to love Jesus at that age. It's just it's awesome to see. And, like, be able to teach them. Because, like, I like teaching, but, like, I'm not good at teaching people that are my age. Or, like, do a sermon and teach a whole congregation. Because, like... I don't have the skills for that, but props to anyone who does.
2: Well, in, in in starting there it can help. Being able to formulate, okay, I know what I believe. How can I how can I expound on that? How can I teach people that? And starting with, you know, younger younger kids being able mm. to start teaching them and, and being solidified in your faith. Being like, Okay, let's try older. Let's let's go to youth group. Let's start teaching youth group. And then so on and so forth. You start building up that courage
0: to to start doing that. Austin, what about you?
2: Uh, With me, mine is a little bit more limited, being as I I have a family and my family's growing. Our fourth baby is due in September. On
0: the 23rd, most likely. I'm just speaking that into existence. It could happen.
2: It's actually the 26th, but But, it could happen. But not the 23rd. 21st. That's a song. (laughs) Squirrel. (laughs) So, okay, like um, communion meditations. I love doing um, being able to actually get into the root of communion and spend more time on that. Cause again, in church, I think a lot of us, which is awesome. A lot of people in our church believe there's not enough time spent on communion. So it, it's cool that we're able to do that. Um, helping out with youth group uh, Wednesday nights, helping out with that. Everyone wants a all. Being able to take over for the men's uh, Bible study on Sundays, kind of subbing in for for the our main teacher there, give him a reprieve whenever he needs it. Really, when, whenever anything else presents itself, being able to say, "Yeah, I, I can help out with that."
0: Yeah, for sure. What um, about you? Uh, like I alluded to, I have to say something. Oh, go ahead.
1: I lost track. <laughs> But I I didn't want to get too far because then it wouldn't make sense because it had to go off what you said. Hold on. Um, And like you were saying, communion meditation. I feel like our church does a good job at focusing on communion because a lot of churches just use it as a transition to get from one point to the next. And it's just like a five-minute, like, here's the bread and juice. Take it. Jesus died for you. And they'll just, like, read one verse out of Matthew or something.
2: Right, Or it's something that they know they have to incorporate Mm into the sermon. So so they just give it the bare minimum. uh, Let's fit it in right here.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. They give it the least amount of time when really it should be, it's like one of the most important, Well, there's not one most important, but like it's a really important important aspect of it. And I did community meditation once. I just did it like, I don't know, two weeks ago already. That was a long time ago, (laughs) but uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it and preparing it. Like I could just see the, my mind gears just turning. I was just like, just typing a whole bunch. My mind was rolling. So it was fun. It's very cool. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Me, you know, I alluded to it. I'll run sound. Pretty frequently for for the church services on Sundays and different events that we do, I'll play play in the band every now and then. Uh, I, I seem to be bass. banished from from the bass bandished from the band bandished, band-ished from the I band. Don't, that's no. No, not really. They just i they like me having doing sound more than they like me playing. Which honestly, I'm better at that, so it's fine. <laughs> but no, um, just being involved in the worship ministry, uh, having some opportunities to teach here and there, um, having some opportunities to fill in, like you said, for our Bible study. And um, oh, you're
2: you're gonna be filling it in the pulpit. Yeah, doing I'm that. I'm excited for that. I know it's
0: gonna be fun. It'll be uh, in a week or so, and then um, also leading a small group. Uh, we do deeper life groups at our church and, and meeting in someone's home and just kind of leading that and going through the sermon each week and leading a discussion there to kind of dig deeper into what we talked about the, the, the week before. So that that is kind of where I focus and where I enjoy being used. Um, I've done youth ministry before, but I just feel like at this point that's not where I'm called at the moment. That's not where I'm wanting to be used or, or feel like I need to be used Is yeah. is there. I need to... Do do kind of what to do it now? It's so much fun. Yeah. And just and having a blast.
1: I don't know if this is like a way that I serve, but every year I go to Haiti. So missions. Oh, that's definitely a way to serve yeah, the local yeah. Church. It is. Yeah, yeah it so, is. And Absolutely. like, I'm, I say every year, I've only been once, but I'm going this year and I know I'm going to go after that. So it's pretty much I've already made the decision that I'm going to go every year. So missions is a lot of fun. It's cool. Good work. So absolutely.
0: So let's let's talk about uh, we've we alluded to this at the beginning of the episode. Let's talk about church discipline and talk about what it's for, how it's used, and and how we should use it. So I, I, I said this, I'm gonna repeat the the purpose of church discipline, and then we're gonna kind of talk about what it looks like because it's not something that we do very often in, inside the church. And it's, it's not talked about. It's not talked about, it's not discussed. And I think this is important as a member of a church, as a believer and a member of a church that we know what church discipline is, and what it's for, and how to do it scripturally. Because I think the reason why we don't talk about it, the reason why we don't do it, is because it kind of, it feels judgmental, it feels judgy, it feels harsh, and and not nice. Well, on some level, it's not it's not comfortable, but it serves a purpose. Yeah, and like, say you're confessing to someone or
1: something, it's hard to get into that because you think that they might be judging you, or that they might go and tell someone, like how we were talking about gossip, or gossip weed, or whatever you said. Rumor weed. Uh, Yeah, that is it, yeah. Like, you think that they might go tell people, and I know that, I know of people that have confessed, and then those people have just told, so they're like, well... That was that hurt. I don't it was want to open unfruitful. up anymore. Yeah. yeah, and so then they just close down, and then that cuts them off from
0: ever confessing again, which is
1: dangerous because confession is very important. For sure.
0: And not confession in a Catholic church sense, yeah. but confession is in, hey, I'm struggling with this. It's like a one-on-one thing. Yeah.
2: And confession to your brothers, to your yeah, sisters. absolutely. And for the accountability. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah. Like we talked about
1: last week, Matthew 18, 20. Oh, that's on my list. <laughs> the real context of it.
0: <laughs> so, real quick, just reiterate reiterate the purposes of church discipline that I said a few minutes ago. I apologize for repeating myself. Why church discipline? What is its purpose? Well, it restores and reconciles the believer who has gone astray. It keeps the sin from spreading to others, and it protects the purity of the church and the honor of Christ. And so let's look at Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. And they say, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Individually, and you say, Carter, I see this sin in your life, this struggle that you're having, whether you've done it against me or whether it's just hurting you spiritually. I see this. I think one of the common, well, let's just use a common example adultery. It comes to light that there is adultery within a member of your church. Uh, You know, someone in your church is committing adultery against his wife. As a brother, you go to that person and you say, Look, I know this is happening. We need to deal with this and we need to discuss it. And let's, let's, Get you on a path of restoration and repentance. Well, if he then says, mm, "I think we're fine," or "No, nah, not going to deal with that right now," then you get someone else and you go to that person with other people. With the way I kind of look with elders, you take yep. you take some elders with you, take other strong believers in, within the church, and say, "Hey, Jim." I'm trying to think of names of people that aren't in our church. Jim is a Steve. name in our church. Hey, Steve. No, oh, there's a Steve. There is a Steve. Uh, All right, Joe, John Jim, Doe. Bob. Jim, Bob, Timothy. Hey, Billy, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) But you you go and say, hey, brother, we know this is going on. We know that there is sin in your life. We know that there's this adultery in your life. We want to restore you. We want to come alongside you and help you repent, help you to be restored to Christ, help your family deal with this. He says, eh, I'm good, Uh, and, and ignores it. Or even gives you the lip service and says, okay, yes, let's let's work on this, but then doesn't change the behavior, doesn't change the lifestyle that he's leading. You then take it to the church. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky, okay? Because I do think it's important that the knowledge of sin, of, of the sin, should be disclosed only to those who need to know. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a, from the pulpit Sunday morning, Jim Bob is sleeping with someone else that's not his wife. I don't think that is how this is supposed to work. It doesn't help. That it doesn't hurts. help. That, that hurts. But... I've seen it done a couple different ways. I've seen members meetings where only members of the church are allowed to be in there at a special time, right? So it's not during a Sunday morning service. It's at a special time. And, you know, I think in this particular case, it was like Sunday night, right? They had had members come back and dealing with this church discipline issue. And then you bring it before the church with, hopefully, with that person there. Maybe not. Maybe that person doesn't want to be there. But again, you bring it to light. You say, this is what's happening with this individual. At that point, if the repentance doesn't happen, if if there is no acknowledgment of the sin, or if there is again that lip service, I acknowledge it, but I'm not going to do anything about it and change it. Then that person is removed from membership. Okay, that person is then, uh, as the verse in Matthew we just read, if he refuses to listen, even to the church, let him be to you as a gentile and a tax collector. You remove him from the church membership. Yeah. You do not do not allow him to participate in the Lord's Supper. You take him off, you take him off the roll, so to speak. Yeah. and it's harsh. But it's important. It's important to maintain the integrity of the church. When there is someone who is a member of the church and is unrepentant of the sin that is in their life, they don't need to be a part of that church at that point. They need to then, basically, they they God has to intervene. God intervenes and, and convicts, and, and at that point, it's on them to repent.
2: Yeah. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about it, about God will judge the outsiders, expel the wicked person from among you. If you have gone to them and they, they will not change, and they are continuing in their
0: sin, in their wicked ways, it, he said, purge, purge them from among you. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's harsh. It's 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 tough. It's not an easy topic. It is, quote unquote, judgmental. But
2: we're supposed to do that. We're
0: supposed to do that. We're supposed to say, look, this person is, is at this point, not going to repent of this sin. They cannot be a part of our church right now. Does that mean there's no restoration? Absolutely not. Does that mean there is no pathway to forgiveness? Absolutely not. But when you as a church and you as a, a body of believers have come to the conclusion that there is gonna there's not gonna be repentance at this moment, it is then on them to work out their own salvation with yeah. fear and trembling. Right. It is then on them to say, Okay, eventually they come back, or maybe they don't. It's it it's it's tough. It steps on toes. It hurts. And so, what does that look like practically? I think you look at uh, let's just say a worship leader that's involved in this. Let's say this person is someone who is on stage on a volunteer level, but on stage playing playing the drums. Well, first of all, that the first thing that happens is they don't do that anymore. Yeah, they cannot right? be
2: in a le- leadership position in the church.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, or in that, and that even goes to the children's ministry. That the the setting up meals, the anything that gets taken away first. Well. Even communion. Even communion. You you cannot allow
2: them to take communion because they're living in sin.
0: Right. And then it just progresses from there. What I, I wrote here that the, the disciplinary measures should increase in strength until there is a solution. And that ultimately, the solution is either restoration or... Purging. Purging.
2: And, so, and leading with that, talking about the leadership of the church. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 through 18. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. So from the the leadership perspective, if they are truly following scripture, following doctrine, then they're your authority in the church and you need to be able to submit to them let them do this with joy and not with groaning. If you have a, a leader, if you have your pastor, or even if you have a someone who's teaching a, a Sunday school, if they're grumbling about it, the other men or the other women go to whichever need be. They need to go to that person and be like, hey, look, you can't be doing this. If you're just going to be grumbling, complaining about it the whole time, you need to find something else.
0: And that speaks to the unity of the church, right? So, if we, we've at least I have, and Austin, you may have, Carter, I'm not sure, you know, since you haven't been in the church as long, because you're only, you know, 12 years old, but... It's not
2: true. <laughs> it's not true. You're going to be turning 17 here soon. Yeah. What, what? 13 days. Sweet.
0: But who's counting? Um, But it goes to the unity... <laughs> you're a meanie. I think I am. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, But the unity of the church, We've we've experienced from time to time, I think that one person who just wants to complain about everything within the church, complain about what the pastor is teaching, complain about well this person said this. You know, I think there have been examples that we could all kind of point to to say I've had a problem with this particular person because this particular person has complained about everything we've done. That sows disunity and we we need to avoid that. So as as a member of a church, again, we're not going to agree with everything that is said or everything that is that is done, but we are to submit we are to do it without complaining, without gossiping, without going back to you know me going to Carter. I cannot believe Pastor did this. We need to do something about that. That's not how this works. We don't go and re- start a coup, right? We don't lead a lead a revolt or a mutiny. We <laughs> Just go on strike. We don't. We don't go on strike. We preserve the unity of the church. And if if it's a doctrinal issue, if it's a scriptural issue, we take it to the elders. We take it to the the leadership itself and say, Hey, here is my concern. What can we do about this? And I was actually trying
1: to find a good time to talk about this but i a book called letters to the church that i read by francis chan the guy i talked about last episode jackie chan yeah exactly (laughs) um talks a lot about this the unity and like saying churches nowadays never seek unity and like when are we going to start seeking that unity and true unity is hard to achieve but when you achieve it, it is very well worth it and another thing about that does the unity of the early church make you jealous i was like hmm yeah Like, Because nowadays, we just are arguing about absolutely everything.
0: Everything.
2: Well, and and, um, so expounding on that, we're supposed to be the body of Christ. We're supposed to be the bride of Christ. And how many denominations are there? There are so many. And it's all because someone has taken a part of Scripture and said, I think this is important, the most important. Others say, well, I think this is more important. And the body of Christ is at war with each other. Our hands are at war with our feet. Our legs are at war with our arms. Satan ha- doesn't have to do a thing. He's sitting back watching the whole thing going down, and our the body is on fire. And you can just imagine he's like looking back, smiling, like I don't even have to do a yeah. thing because they're doing it for me. And it's heartbreaking because we are meant to be unified. Like, like I, I was reading that quote from C.S. Lewis to be unified. To be to be the church being able to hold our banners high and marching in unison is terrifying to the enemy because that means we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're we're following the teachings we're supposed to be doing, and I, again, we're in a fallen world and we're wicked, sinful people. So it's like we will never get there, but we at least got to be trying better, right? That's a part I struggle with. Right. So anyway,
0: well, and and I I was reading an article actually yesterday from a, a Christian musician who talks about critical theory not just critical race theory but the actual theory yes. behind critical race theory which is called critical, critical
2: theory theory which is horrendous
0: that theory along with progressivism is causing a civil war within the church it is causing massive massive problems within the church where People will ascribe to this, though uh, ascribe to critical theory and progressivism. Others who are Bible-believing Christians will not, and it is causing a huge split within the evangelical church. Yeah. Uh, a, a recent article I read too about Kevin Max from DC Talk, who was one of my favorite bands as a kid, but Kevin Max has come out as an ex-evangelical, so oh, he is now goodness. deciding that he, well, he, he's gone progressive. He's oh, gone. Wow. He's gone to where he doesn't believe that. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He do, he believes that all roads lead to the same God in the same place. Kind same of like guy, Oprah.
2: This is the same guy who sang Jesus
0: Freak. Right? Sang Jesus Freak, oh, exactly. Man. Yeah. And he has, he stepped away from that. And and, and it's funny because I have I've followed him on social media for, for the last few years and I could totally see that progression taking place with his political views. Because unfortunately, whether you like this or not, a lot of times your religion and your religious beliefs are... They influence your political beliefs. And if you start going down this progressive side of Christianity, it's not really Christianity, but this progressive side of, of, of uh, religion, you start leaning a different direction politically. Yeah. And he was really, really going down that road. Oh, wow. So just to kind of wrap this up, I think we've hit on a lot of topics. There's a lot more we could really get into. But to kind of wrap up what we're talking about, um, let's kind of give some final thoughts on... What you think is most important as, as a member of a local church?
2: Um, for me, again, not wanting to put too much time into it. Titus 2, read it. Read it, pour over it. Very important. Uh, te- it's all, talking about teaching sound doctrine, the, the responsibility of the older men in the church, the responsibility of the older women in the church, the younger men, and it is so important. Um, the older men are meant to be Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good work, and in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about you. And and it goes on. I'd encourage you, if you you haven't read it in a while or you haven't read it at all, go through and read that. Kind of helping show the a little bit more of the structure of the church, the the people within the church, how they are to act towards fellow believers. So that, for me, that that's important.
0: For me, I think it is. there is a few things that are super important that I, that I want you all to focus on and, and really think through as you look at your church membership. Are, are you giving in a way that God has called you to give, whether that's financially or through your time? Also, are you serving? Are you plugged in? Are you helping the local church fulfill its missions. The three missions we talked about last on Tuesday are you helping the church accomplish those goals, find a place to plug in, find a place to serve, and also maintain that unity within the church. Don't don't be a complainer. Don't be someone who is always complaining about what was said from the pulpit, what was said by Jane Doe over here, what was said by John Doe over there, be someone who, if there is a legitimate issue, you follow the biblical steps to resolve that issue. You talk to that person individually, you then you bring others to talk with you and resolve it in a Christ-like manner. with Gentleness. Gentleness, mercy, grace. And do not gossip. Don't gossip. We're all gonna, we're gonna offend each other. We're gonna let each other down. We're gonna have moments where we disagree. The key is to disagree in a loving way to dis and to resolve it in a loving christ-centered way and and for some final thoughts and for some homework because we like to do that now actually i really like that but for some final thoughts and some homework carter what you got for me bud
2: before carter gives you some homework i'm going to give you some scripture just to to ponder and to think about romans 12:10, devote and show honor to each other romans 15 14 instruct one another ephesians 4 32 be compassionate to one another 1 Thessalonians 5:11 encourage one another. 1 John chapter 3:11 and 18. Love one another, not in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Hebrews 10:24 through 25 build one another up, the way you should act towards your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, Carter, what's your homework? All right, so I got a scenario imagine you find yourself
1: stranded on a deserted island with nothing but a copy of the bible you have no experience with christianity whatsoever and all you know about the church will come from your reading of that bible how would you imagine a church that you could plant to function and try to picture church as we know today is it even close to the one that you could have had with just biblical knowledge Hmm. so so yeah no
2: outside outside
0: layers infecting your mind just pure scripture that that's interesting yeah Fantastic. Guys, thank you all for joining us for episode number eight of the Rooted in Logos podcast. We will be back next week with another couple of topics to discuss to dig deeper into the word. Remember, find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook, visit our website, and support us on Patreon.
2: Yeah, Patreon.
0: Right, and guys. remember, stay rooted in Logos,
2: stay rooted in Christ. All right. Peace out. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts.
1: Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogos.